Our scripture reading this morning is from Philippians chapter 1 as we continue our study through the epistle to the Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, and I'd like uh, to be, actually begin with verse 21 and go through verse 26. Would you please stand uh, for the reading of the scripture? Philippians 1, 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, which I shall choose, I can't yet Which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. May God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Again, our Father, we are thankful that you have spoken to us in your word, and we pray that by the power of your spirit you would come and speak to us, open our eyes, that we would see our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, high and lifted up. Would you open our ears that we would hear the voice of our good shepherd, and knowing him, follow him. And would you open our hearts that we might receive your word with gladness and not be hearers only, but doers of your word. We pray that you would take away every hindrance and drive back every distraction that we may hear you in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. Ain't got time to die. You may be familiar with those words. They're the words of an old spiritual I heard a lot on one of my grandparents' records growing up. It says, I get so busy working for the kingdom, ain't got time to die. And that describes Paul's sentiment in this passage. He is ready to die. But he ain't got time. A few weeks ago, I had a funeral in Lancaster. I've had too many of those lately. I've been going back to the former church there without a pastor and helping them with funerals. The lady had been sick for several years and had really deteriorated physically. And in the days just before she passed, she had said, I am so, so ready to go. Paul, as far as we know, is not experiencing that level of suffering, but he too is so, so ready to go. And yet it is not his time. He knows it's not his time because his work is not done. And as Paul shares his deepest thoughts and affections with the Philippians, he shows us what drives him, what makes him tick. Paul says he is torn between two realities. And the first is his desire to be with Jesus And secondly, his duty to serve his people. And I would submit that those ought to be 
the driving forces of every Christian's life, every true child of God, the desire to be with Jesus and the duty to serve His people. Now let's look at what made Paul tick together. First in this passage, you see the desire to be with Jesus. Look at verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose I cannot. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Of course, we've seen Paul is in chains under house arrest. He is a prisoner awaiting a hearing. One day, Paul will be in chains again, awaiting another hearing, and he will receive a death sentence. But not this time. That will come later. He's going to get out this time. And he knows it. It's curious there, the way he says in verse 23 that he's hard-pressed, he cannot tell which he will choose. You know, Paul is certainly not going to take his life in his own hands. Ultimately, whether he lives or dies is in God's hands then it's in Caesar's hands. So what sort of choice is Paul agonizing over? The answer steps all over my toes. If it's God's will for Paul to live, he'll live. If it's God's will for him to die, he'll die. He's going to do the will of God in this situation. That is not in question. But Paul wants to be in the right frame. He's not worried about whether he'll do the will of God. His concern is that his heart is in it, that he is willing. We'll see later in Philippians that Paul says he has learned how to be content in any situation and Paul wants to be sure he is in a content frame of mind and heart about the fact that this is not his time to be with Jesus. He's going to do his duty. But Paul's concern is that he does it willingly, not grudgingly. Like I said, that steps all over my toe. I don't always do the right thing, and most of the time I do it grudgingly. What Paul said about giving applies to everything else God calls us to do. You remember he said each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And we don't have time this morning to look at all the scriptures on obedience and motivation, but let me say, it is better to do the right thing reluctantly or grudgingly than not to do it at all. And if we're honest, that's probably where most of us are a lot of the time. 
We may do it grudgingly, but at least we do the right thing. But the goal is willing, cheerful obedience. We didn't quite make a budget last year. Our budget has increased this year. We have to ask ourselves, am I a reluctant giver or a cheerful giver? Paul wants to be cheerful as he is released from arrest and goes back to work and he's concerned to make sure his attitude is positive because that's not really his first choice. More than anything else, Paul wants to be with Jesus. That's what makes heaven heaven. I will go and prepare a place for you and come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also, Jesus said. To be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. That's heaven. A true believer wants to be with Jesus more than anything else. Of course, we want to be reunited with our loved ones who have gone on, but above all else, we want to be with Jesus. The old hymn writer, the old gospel hymn writer, Fanny J. Crosby, said it exactly right. Oh, the dear ones in glory, how they beckon me to come. And our parting at the river I recall. To the sweet vales of Eden they will sing my welcome home. But I long to meet my Savior first of all. Through the gates to the city in a robe of spotless white. He will lead me where no tears will ever fall. In the glad song of ages I shall mingle with delight, but I long to see my Savior first of all. Believer wants to go to that place where there is no sickness, no sorrow, where God himself will wipe away our tears. A true believer wants to go to that place and be reunited with those who have died in the Lord whom we loved so dearly. But a true believer wants to meet his Savior first of all. And not only that, But a true believer wants to be with Jesus more than anything else on this earth. Paul was ready to be with Christ. That's one clear, simple test of whether you're ready to go to heaven. Do you want to be with Jesus most of all? You're spending time with him now. Something comes up, or worse, something premeditated. You planned it. Instead of being in his house 
with his people, praising his name. You sure you're ready to be with him forever? You see, the desire to be with Jesus. And secondly and finally, you see the duty to serve Jesus' people. A duty to serve his people. Look at verse 24. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. See, there ain't got time to die. Now, now, Paul does not have a Messiah complex. That's the worst thing when someone gets to thinking the church needs them. One time I was on committee working with a minister that had some terrible problems. I won't say anything more than that, but uh, he, I remember we asked him, do you really think you need to uh, stay in the pulpit and And he told us he needed to stay in his church. He said, because these people need me. I looked him in the eye and said, now you look here. These folk don't need you and God don't need you either. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul says, you don't need me. I did not die for you. I was not crucified for you. I'm not your Savior? He doesn't have a Messiah complex. But he knew the church at Philippi needed ministry. You see, in verse 25, he says why he hopes, or why he expects, I should say, to be with them. To, to get released. I know that I will remain and continue with you all. You see the end of verse 25, for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. These people were lacking progress. Churches have been full for 2,000 years of believers who lack progress. Lacking joy. Lacking in giving glory to Jesus Christ. We'll see as we move forward through Philippians. But you know, this makes sense. Paul loves Jesus. He wants to be with Jesus most of all. What's the next thing? His people. If you love Jesus, you will love his people. You know, if you came up to me and said, I like you, But I don't care for your children. (laughs) Now I realize in real life it'd be the other way. You'd say, Mark, I like your children, but I don't like you. I wish you'd go back to Mississippi and leave your children. 
But hypothetically, if you came up to me and said, I like you, but I don't much care for your children. Your children are just a bunch of hypocrites. Your children, they gossip. They stuck on themselves, full of drama. We can't be friends if you say that to me. If you come up to me and say, well, I like you. I like a couple of your children. They're all right. We can't be friends. If you go to God and say, I love you. Jesus, I love you. But that church is full of hypocrites. I don't have anything to do with them. Well, if you say, Jesus, I love you, and some of the people in that church are all right. You and Jesus can't be friends. We cannot love Jesus and not love his family, his whole family, period. That's why Paul ain't got time to die. He'd much rather go on and be with Jesus. But he knows he cannot love Jesus and not take care of his people. Sometimes I, I hear people say, I wonder why I'm still here. Well, here's the answer. This is why. Whether you are 95 or whether you are 5, this is why you are still here. You are here to serve the body of Jesus Christ. Jerry Clower said, the first thing I will do is make sure I'm saved. He said, the second thing I do is join a Bible-believing church and I'd make them a good hand. You making Clover ARP Church a good hand? Are you serving the body, the whole body of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.